Hello, everyone, and welcome to Grip Locks, Foundation Disc Golf's weekly podcast. And we're here today on a Thursday for a little preserve preview. Tournament starts tomorrow. Back on the Pro Tour, we had the Silver Series, which is kind of an off week. It's not really a full Pro Tour event. And then we had the Match Play event, which is an exhibition event. So kind of also an off week. So it's been a little while since we've had a full-on Pro Tour event. Um, there's obviously a lot of other storylines going down here. But let's jump right into the course here first. Uh, it is on an old golf course, but we actually had a question on debate night that I thought was a really good question. But after watching the coverage, I don't really think it is that good of a question. because. Okay. Let me just explain it. So the, <laughs> they tweeted, they tweeted at us at uh, at me and said, you know, preserves on an old golf course, mm-hmm. but why is it never tied to the golf course tournaments? Like, why do people never uh. refer to it as a golf course tournament? Well, I think it's because it's similar to North Cove what we played. Yeah. We're like, yes, it is an old golf course, but mm-hmm. it's only kept up for disc golf now. Yeah. So like the fairways that are cut in, gotcha. the way the grass is mowed, all of that just says disc golf. So right. you don't. I went back and watched some of the Jomez coverage from last year this morning. I literally watched all the flyovers this morning as uh, the course. But yeah, go ahead. But it, but it doesn't look like a golf course. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. So the the big difference is a for for starters, even with like the the Portland Open this year and whatnot, they're getting better at designing disc golf courses on even active golf courses they're getting better at it now to where it doesn't feel as much this way because back in the day it was like it was like you're throwing the fairway fairway. hey look the basket's by a green that's ob it Mm -hmm. was like every single one it was so lazy it was bad they're getting better at that already but when the golf course is still intact and you can see the greens and the tee boxes and the fairways it feels like you're intruding on the course so it looks so unnatural but as soon as you those greens and tee boxes and everything are grown the same length they're gone like when we were playing North Cove, there were certain places where I was like, "Oh, I could see exactly how this golf hole went." Like that, but that was from somebody who had played a lot of golf and kind of knew how golf courses lay out. And it wasn't because of the grass; is because I kind of just saw the shape of things. But it's it's it blends in much more. And I think that the preserve in general, I mean, those hole the holes that preserve are quite unique. They use all of the tree lines and kind of back areas off the side of where the golf course would have been. Um, I, I don't think any of the holes there might be, I would say there's maybe two or three that play a little like throw down the fairway and then take a right turn or a left turn or whatnot. But for the most part, all the par threes are pretty creative. The water carries are, are creative. I think it's a well-designed course. And yeah, I don't think, um, especially since now it looks so much different since it did, uh, when it was a golf course, um, yeah, it's it's almost indistinguishable at this point. Yeah, it seems like they, they've made a few changes from last year to this year. Um, looking at the caddy book and also talking to Brody some. He, Brody mentioned the par three with the rock wall. He said he thought it moved closer. And looking at the caddy book, it Hole looks 10? like... I think so. The par three... Where it just, it's like on... There's like a rock wall There's edge, literally like a retaining wall a edge. Yeah, yeah so before... Before it was tucked back in, so you had the full circle. Okay. On the caddy book, it looks like the rock wall's at like 20 feet they now. Push it closer so the basket's a lot closer to the rock wall, which is going to make players make a little bit more of a decision. Yeah. On that hole. It's a scary one. Other one that's very notable is hole seven, the par five that a lot of players, notably Eagle, Paul, Ricky on the lead card last year, all went to the left side and Matteo went across to the right side. Yes. And there's that water there's a double there. option. Uh, there's not anymore. So oh. now the whole left side's OB. So it's forcing people oh, players to okay. take the less popular option, which is what Matty O threw yeah. to the right side, which I think makes the hole a little bit harder because basically the left was very easy to the left out. side was like throw on Heiser, 
If your disc flips up a little bit, great. If it doesn't, you're fine. Who cares? The right side was you had to commit to getting right. Disc over. And if you once you got in bounds on the left side, the throw across was really short, and then the upshot was pretty short. So it was a pretty yeah. Soft you could birdie. even if you were too far back, you'd even lay up a second time on yeah, the left side and then go. That's up. So, right. Um, I because that's where Eagle tried going. He went big off the tee. Tried going big with a big flex shot, and then flexed into the lake that's like not even on the hole. Yeah. Last year and had to throw from like a weird spot. I do like double option tee shots, like with the par fives and with water, especially. But when one of them is just not getting chosen, then you I. I respect the... Well, I think it just, it makes, it's, again, it's a little change overall, but it makes the whole play a little harder. Yeah. Because I think it was basically everyone's just bailing well, out to then, the left. Yeah, because then on your second shot, if you're not you reaching, to, you the water's on the left. You either have to throw a forehand. Right. Or if you're pushing, you have to make sure it just doesn't right. flex out that's a hard. That's a harder shot. It made the hole a lot harder. Yeah. Um, those two were the most notable ones that I could definitely tell looking at the caddy book. The rest of the course, I didn't really see too many other changes. But it's tough to tell when looking at a caddy book. Yeah, just, it is. There, there could be a whole other new hole in there that I just don't remember. So, in general, though, it seems like the course is going to be playing a few strokes harder. Um, in general, because I think between those two, that already makes it a few well, strokes. And if they made those changes, it's likely they move some tee pads and baskets other places. This as well. will be interesting because I think we've noticed the trend this year that scores have been um, worse in general, like winning scores. But I believe. Um, I can fact check myself, but I think winner was above 40 under last mm-hmm. year. It was around 36. It was about 12 or under. That was two years ago. Was, was two, well, if you remember Nico back two won years at like 41 ago. under. Yeah, if you remember two years ago, the preserve, we talked about this with Brody on debate night. The preserve was the tournament that brought up the, the whole conversation of like, this oh, golf needs to be harder. Because yeah. there was no yeah. scoring separation. Players were just shooting like 15 under, and it was crazy. Last year, though, still 36. That's but last year was averaging 12, I think. Is, I think it was. It might have been 35 under. I know Ricky and Paul shot 11 under the last round, yeah. and that was like the that, hot that, round last Yeah, round. that's closer part. I do remember the first year it was a big deal. I would imagine this year it's probably going to be closer to like 30. Because didn't somebody have a 17 under that first I year? So. Yeah, yeah. I, that was like, that was kind of... One of the when we first started talking about that, yeah, like how like wow, this is just like the softest event there is. But yeah, I, I don't remember it being last year. It wasn't as much of a talking point. No, because they definitely made changes, and it seems like they made changes again this year. Yeah, um, it'll definitely be interesting to watch. But one thing that was looking like it was going to be a factor on debate night when we talked about the preserve a little bit, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be a factor now is the weather. It's still going to be somewhat windy. We're talking like fifteen mile an hour winds at yeah. the at the height. So it's windy enough that it'll have a slight effect, but it was going to be that windy and rain. Uh, okay. The rain's pushed out. There's a chance of rain on day two, but with how it's gotten pushed out, it might not rain at all. Yeah. So it's looking like decent weather for the event. It's definitely going to be windy, and it looks like it gets windier as it goes on. I think Sunday's the windiest day as of right now, but all of that could change. But the weather looks fine out there. Uh, hot, sunny, and it's the perfect time for Ricky to make his return. The defending yeah. champ is officially going to be back out on the course, ready to play. Um, it seemed like he was, he's from, I forget where I saw him post, but it seemed like he was ready last week. Yeah. Like it seemed like he was, I think he gave it he was ready week. to be, to get going. So it sounds like we're going to have close to a hundred percent Rick. I hope so. I hope he, I hope he, it seems like he took his time. To, um, it's hard to know the extent of like how much he needed to recover, but I, I hope that he's back and we're, we're just done with it. I hope yeah. it's, I hope it's just a non-issue from now on because like we, you know, you hate seeing injuries, especially from a guy like Rick who is in his prime and like, this is when he want you know, needs to be seizing that. Yeah. So I, yeah, I hope it's, I hope like, I hope he plays well this week. Heck, I hope he wins. That'd be great. And then, you know, needs just a non-issue for the rest of the season. Yeah. Now on the flip side of that coin, the other defending champion, Kristen Tatar won by, I believe it was like 10, 10 strokes last year. Yeah. She was supposed to return, but her partner, Silver Lot, has tested positive for COVID. 
So even though she tested negative, according to her Instagram post, she's being cautious um, and not traveling over here to play in the preserve. So we're not going to see her return quite yet. I also saw someone in Discord. I don't know where they saw this because I didn't see it in her Instagram post, but she might have posted somewhere else or I might have missed it. They said that um, she was dealing with something in her arm, some type of nerve thing. Oh, did not. Um, I'm going to pull up her Instagram post again just to see if I like somehow skipped it. But I know, um, but it might have been posted somewhere else because she put... um, She's posting about her win at the course there, and yeah, just I only see the post about about COVID. So, um, I'm, unless I'm missing something, who knows? Yeah, where that info came from, but hope not. Make, not making any plans in the near future right now. So we're not sure when we're going to see Kristen again, but uh, hopefully, Silver is able to recover quickly and hopefully Kristen never actually gets it. I wonder, I wonder how big the tour It's such a, it's such a, it's such a curious thing. Like, um, Kristen now being probably, you know, she's definitely top three highest paid FPO players. Yes. Um, you know, making a, a lot of a very healthy living at this point. At what point, is there is there a decision made to move to the U.S. permanently? No, mm. if that if that if it becomes where let's say because now in latitude, um, you know obviously is a company you know based out of Europe. You know there's events for her to play over there. But if whatever where, where does it get to the point where if it became a consistent issue that she couldn't you know going back and forth like that was tough on her and it, like it was tough for her to like get to all the events. When does that become like latitude? Well, we saw that with Simon, right? When he was in Germany, yeah, and he moved to Massachusetts. Yeah, I mean that was semi recent. Yeah, it was. It's been a few years since because he, he was he was like he was a couple years, like two years. That's been that's been longer than that. that. Yeah. Really, yeah. it's been longer than that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I feel like I remember him moving to Massachusetts. You, yeah, you do because I remember it. and You've been playing longer than me, but it's it's been it's been quite a while, I think. But um, it was because before that he was still doing most of the tour. But he was just his home was in Germany. Yeah. Then he decided to move. I mean, over here. Obviously, like yeah, like I'm what I'm suggesting, like yeah, she would probably leaving behind friends and family. Like it's a huge decision, but it's just one of those things where it's like, at what point does like the need to be on the U.S. tour and because you're making really good money to be playing on tour, uh, like when does that become like maybe I should think about moving over to the U.S. Um, you know, because she's on a guaranteed money deal, like. I don't know. It's, it's definitely. Just, interesting I'm sure question. it's crossed her mind. Like, oh, I'm it's, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's just an interesting one because we uh, haven't seen that yet, really. On the other side as well, um, Evelina and Henna will be making their return here. Now, what are we going to see out of them? Who knows? They've only played Whoa. one event since the Champions Cup, and they went one-two at that event with Evelina winning by 11 strokes. And the big stat here was 82 yeah. percent C1X putting to take her to that win. Her putting mm. was kind of was her putting was plenty good enough to yeah, have gotten her 82 percent C1X is is it's very solid. Typically, solid. like the higher end of FPL. Yeah, and yeah. and it, I mean all she had to do with how well she throws, you know, when she was had her first stint on the tour this year was, was just putt. putt at all. Like yeah. well, that's just what it seemed something. Like Henna was that's what she was still struggling with over there. I think she yeah. putted like it was is in the upper 40% C1X over at this I think it was a Euro Tour event or something. Uh but yeah, I mean played one event, no there's no way to tell cuz like Evelina do, did have moments where she yeah. was a streaky good putter. Yeah. And she had moments where she put it together. So this could just be where she just had one of those moments for the tournament. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it could be something where as quickly as it came, it could go. It's, but it's it, it is encouraging to see it. It's tough because when I look at the course, 
I'm not convinced it's a thrower's course because I am. Well, there's distance out there, but I, I there's not like there's and there is some natural OB, but like it's not a roped off course. I I just think that putting is gonna. I think it's gonna be one of those events where the people that are getting their forty footers to drop, like that's gonna be a huge separator. Um, seizing the opportunities when you have it, because I I think that it's gonna be a like. I don't know about the FPO, but I think there's gonna be a lot of birdies just in general at this tournament. So I think that putting, like, when anytime you have a tournament where the winner, you know, comes in, like Kristen won at 19 under last year, you got to be making putts. Like you can't, yeah, you can't just be throwing well. When I when I looked at stats from last year on MPO and FPO, if you went by who putted the best and like putting, like strokes gained putting, putting percentages, stuff like that, the number of where those people finished were all over the place. Yeah, like some I mean, people are in the top ten, some people are in like fifty. Well, I, because let, if you're if you're putting for a seven, it doesn't matter if you're hundred well, percent. Let me put it. Let me put it this way: if she is putting, you know, like she has been, then yes, clearly that's going to be enough. I'm saying she can't afford to go back to what she was when she was. Oh well, no, the you're first never going to win a you're never going to win a tournament putting twenty percent. Yeah, C one X thirty percent C one X. But you also can you can win tournaments if you're putting fifty percent. But like every putt you miss is for a birdie, and every putt you make is for a birdie. Yeah, and then it's like it doesn't really matter what your putting percentage is if every look is for birdie or par, and you're hitting the pars and hitting some of the birdies. Especially like FPO, the winner was 19 under. She's not going to be here. Next place down was only nine under, three under per round, and we're looking at the course being a little more difficult. So like yeah, when you take Kristen out of the field, like 19 under is still going to be on the table because players are that good, but. We take Kristen out of the field last year, nine under won this tournament. And nine under with the course playing a little harder now, it's safe to say that that nine under, let's just give it only one stroke per round. That's a six under par. You can putt pretty bad and still shoot two under per round out there if you're if you're throwing the disc well. Yeah, I mean we'll we'll see. We'll see. I, I mean I, I agree you definitely can make up a lot with throwing. I'm just not I don't know. I'm not completely convinced well, that that it's gonna be her well, event. At the end of the day, yeah, you have to put the disc in the basket. Yeah, to win. It's like you can't. <laughs> I think you it, can't win if the disc never goes in the. Basket. I think it's just hard for me to to get on board with somebody who's such a streaky putter. Like I, I'm gonna need to see some proof. I guess is basically what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, let's get into some keys to victory because we're kind of talking about it anyways, uh, which is funny because my number one key to victory is throw the disc well because I think this mm. is. De- I literally my exact quote was this is definitely a thrower's tournament. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it throw the disc well is a pretty like you know. I think it's a key for every tournament. No. You can't argue it. Throw the disc well? Well, like some tournaments, if you sort... <laughs> yeah, like, if some I tournaments, mean, if you, Well, some tournaments, if you sort by putting, putting is what you really need to do. Yeah, but like they also know. probably threw the disc well. To a certain extent, but like yeah. this... Stats would say this is a thrower's course. I understand what you're saying. Like I'm you, not you, trying to be nitpicky. I get what you're saying. Anyways, the players that were putting well... This is also funny. My second <laughs> sentence was, the players that were putting well last year didn't really seem to matter, well, you but know, the ones that were throwing well were you know what that point? You know what that kind of points to? P- p- stats is what well, that points to. <laughs> all right, calm down. You know what that kind of points to for uh, potentially a good event here is double G. Potentially. I thought about it. Um, that could make sense. He's got momentum right now. He's but definitely I, I a just, thrower. I, I thought about it long and hard before I put him on my list. I didn't put him on my list. And the reason is because he just went one two, and I don't think he's gonna be able to do it three weeks in a row. Mm, that's we'll all. It, that's all it is. Yeah, that makes sense. Not quite. The I'm, a, I'm a doubter. That's he's it. A doubter. That's it. There's no statistics. Would argue doubting Thomas. 
Boom. Wow. Uh, the second thing I have is to be aggressive because the OB rate and fairways hit didn't really correlate with performing well out there. Oh, that's um, interesting. Which sounds counterintuitive. <laughs> yeah, that, so that's, that's, that's what I was thinking. No. <laughs> so OB rate and fairways hit didn't directly correlate, but, but strokes gained T to green did. So it's so getting C1 in regulation. You Well, because there's a lot of opportunities to go for big shots, go for eagles, go for birdies on holes that other yeah. people aren't. And basically what the two stats put together show me is playing safe and making sure you're in the fairway gets you nowhere here. Okay. You need to be throwing the disc well and going big. I definitely mm. see on the course, I see a lot of places to get aggressive. I think that's I think that right there, the lack of OB on the course, other than the water, because that's really the heavy amount of it, and that's not on every hole, obviously. That is what kind of led me to my conclusion. But I I don't I get Because like the that. players that were had like no OB they were literally in like 40th something place. Yeah. The the players that were up towards the top all had a few OB strokes, all had mistakes, and they also like fairway hits. You were starting to, if you had like above 93, I think Nathan Queen finished like 48th or something. He was in the mid 40s and he was above 90% fairways hit. Yeah. But like if you're hitting fairways and then you're getting, you're not being able to get there for birdie or you're not playing I, aggressive I enough, will say this. it doesn't matter. Mm. I will say this to the thrower's course the point is I do think it is a distance course. Like I think if you have distance on this course, you can shred it because to me, the par fours were kind of that distance where I think a lot of them looked like you could get to, you could really make your upshot a lot easier. Um, and all of the and all of the water carries were like, like for instance, there's a par three that's a 404 foot par three carry water pretty much the whole time. You know, for the for the further throwers, that is that's absolutely no big deal at all. Kind of similar to the par five that you mentioned, yeah. where now you have to take the right side. I do think there's going to be quite a few situations like that where distance throwers. I think there's also a, a par three that's like 525. Um, and yeah, you're going to see guys like Paul. Um, I remember last year he was able to just throw a Heiser flip to turn Zeus, whereas you got a lot of guys laying down rollers trying to get it there. There, there is quite a few holes like that where the distance throwers will have a big advantage. Yeah. Uh, one other point we didn't really talk about because this is just an ongoing point, but we're still not quite to the return of Dickerson. Chris yeah, I'm Dickerson. Trying to get mad at him. It, it, all these events, like I mean, it, it is what it is. It hurts. Oh, I also went. This reminded me of a quick point because. We talk a lot about how exciting parody is, how exciting it is to see different players finishing towards the top, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then people were calling oh, us hypocrites because yeah. of the match play. Mm-hmm. They're like, you talk about how it's so great seeing all these people, blah, blah, blah. But then the match play, it's an example of all these you know, lower name players performing mm-hmm. well, and you didn't seem to care. Well, why I care at the Pro Tour events is these, you know, Gannon Burrs, uh, Joel Freeman, Garrett Gurthy. They're beating, They're good, beating players. good players. Like yes. if you show up to a ma- like, I don't care about a C tier. If not calling the match play a C tier, but like Greg Barsby won the Minnesota Majestic. We didn't really talk about it because who did he beat? Yeah. If the players aren't there, there's no one to beat. Yeah. Then the parody doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's not like really. If, it's not really. You can't really call it parody if mm-hmm. there aren't the good players that the that the other players are rising up to. Yeah, because yes. then all yeah, you yeah. Then that's really what makes it parody. To, it's really easy to look at that tournament and be like, well, yeah, but the like. Because the majority of the top ten in the world weren't there. If you took so. an event, yeah, if you took an event and you took the top five players in the world and scratched them out, man, yeah, you're gonna have crazy parity. Yeah, it looks because wild. all the more inconsistent players are now the ones that are in the mix. Like mm-hmm. that's that's But that's not that's not yeah, like, that that's why it doesn't get me excited. Because like <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course it, of course they pl- of course it was other people playing well. Because guess who wasn't there? The, the normal people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that I mean you sense. can if you still think we're a hypocrite, is what it is. I mean, then you just don't get it. But uh, yeah, I had to make I had to make that point because I saw several comments and I was like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, I get not... excited when I see 
a player like Garrett Gerthy win or Simon Lazad even this year come out like that and win when they're beating the Rickies, Pauls, Calvins, Chris, Eagle, yeah. like players like that. When they're beating the players that have been consistent for so long, consistently at the top, that's exciting. If it's an event where no one shows up to and someone wins, like some of the Silver Series have been in the past, and it's like, okay, but like, like yeah, no one was there. That makes sense. So yeah, of course, of course they won because someone had to. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. so yeah, which Anyways. kind of brings us to this point about Chris, where it's like, man, we need more. Yeah, we want more players at these tournaments. Chris is definitely, arguably, the best player in the world. One of, for sure, yeah. the best players in the world. And when he's not at events, it does kind of. Now, with one player missing and it being something like Eagle not being there really sucks because I think I'd love to see what yeah. this field looks like with Eagle this year. Chris, it's just his decision. He's our world number one. So, like, I, well, he's not, I don't think he is anymore. On you, you just, are you two? Is he two on you? I'm disc talking about our one? power rankings. Well, our power rankings, yeah, he's not ours. But well, he probably would be if he was still playing. If he was still playing, <laughs> yeah. would, but there's no way to know because he yeah. could also be playing and finishing 15th every week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe that's his play. He keeps his name in the hat the longer he doesn't play. Cause then it's like, oh, but like, think if if Dickerson was here though, yeah, similar to I, I Kristen, mean, similar to Kristen. It is. It's so hard because like I totally, I I am not mad at Chris directly because yeah, you like no, you're I, I respect what he, I respect it. what he's doing. Like he's taking time off, spend time with you family, don't take a breather. Him. But it, it, I'm mad at the situation, so I'm <laughs> mad at him indirectly because it's like we're missing you at these big events. There's not that many pro tour events you know like there's there's plenty of these silver series scattered in but the actual pro tour events there's not that many of them like can you can't you play them all he'll be back at Idlewild, man we're almost there i know the way, the way i feel about chris and this might not make any sense is i've always been a big chris dickerson fan i love him so I, much yeah i'm a but big i fan. feel like i feel like i know that he wins i know that he's really good but sometimes i feel like if you blink you'll miss chris winning yeah. Now, what do you mean by that's that? Because he, I, that's because where, I don't here's know. Why, I feel like I feel like here's I know why, he's because good, he but wins, I never. It's because he wins a couple and then he bounces. I think that you don't it. see him for it. a few months. Like that. That's what. That's and so, what like, it is. I know for a fact. I, I don't understand the point that's being. It's like, just like you forget that he's good. You forget that he oh, okay. won. Like okay. because yeah. he that, won the major this year. The only major we've had, he won. And like you forget because he just he's undefeated at majors. You're not. Yeah. No. Wait. What? What did you say? Oh, this year. This year. I was like, yeah. He's undefeated yeah. majors this year. Yeah, it's one, just one no. I was confused. Blinking, you blinking, you miss him. I was confused. What you? I, I'm not. That's what, I'm not even really sure. Trevor helped me out with it. Yeah. I'm not even really sure. I, I agree. Mind, with that's it. how I feel. Because <laughs> it's similar to, you know, we've had this with uh, other players in the past where they like slowly creep up there, or even Paul sometimes. I think Paul's in a little bit of the opposite situation, which like this year he is having a down year. Yeah, this year he's actually. But in the past, if he was finishing like third, fourth, fifth, mm-hmm. and like only having one win, because you expect Paul to be up there so much, and the same thing can be said for Ricky at times. Yeah. When they have like a little bit of a slump, like right now, he I would say he's actually he's in an slump. actual slump. But when they have a little bit of a slump, it like makes you feel like, dude, Paul's having a really off year. Like 2016, yeah. mm-hmm. you're like he had a really off year. But you look at his, if you look back at 2016 now, you're like. That was actually a pretty solid year. I'm at the point where, so my Paul slump timeline is like, so he starts not playing so well. And at first I'm like, at first it's like, well, you know, I'll still count him in any given week. Right. I'm at the point now where I'm almost not even, I'm like still like, I'll count him in if it's a major. Mm -hmm. (coughs) Excuse me. But I'm at the point where it's like, I don't even know if I'm ready to even think about him like winning the preserve. I'm going to just read his season so far. So he came out the gates one Waco. Yeah. 
Okay, I'm yeah. only going to read uh, Silver Series and, and Pro Tour. One Waco, second at the Silver Series the next weekend at the Open at Belton, eighth at Texas States, ninth at Champions Cup, came back to a Pro Tour, lost in a playoff, Jonesboro Open, then right. followed that up with a 51st at DDO, then went yeah. seventh at a Silver Series. That was tough. That There wasn't really that many people there, I don't that think. That was tough. Which one was that? Sam, Masters Cup. Well, it is Masters Cup, but that that's still tough. Yeah, because the... Masters Cup is kind of weird, though. Because the field, after Paul, it went, Paul was a high-rate player. Then it went Matteo, Gannon Bird, James Conner. So a lot of people weren't there. Were, there. there were some guys, though. But for Paul to come ninth. Yeah, tough. Or seventh, it is. Sorry, sorry seventh. Seventh, yes. Yeah, then tough. went 19th at OTB. That's real tough. Fifth at Portland Open. And then 14th at Beaver State Flink. And that one, too. Mm. Yeah, like that's, Silver Series, That's a slump man. for Paul. Yeah. That's a slump. It's it just, he just hasn't, he hasn't contended since Jonesboro. Jonesboro, he had, yeah, he tied at Jonesboro. It was, it was Calvin. And then he won T-Pad. He hasn't come back since he the T-Pad. He hasn't come back since <laughs> the T-Pad. It just ruined his confidence. Yeah. So. Man, I, I'm, it's just, it's an it's official so slump. upsetting. It's an, it's an official, official slump. slump. It's so upsetting. Certified slump. I know, I, and like, I, I know he's going to figure it out. No, like, especially when we get to the East Coast swing. Yeah. Because this is what Paul always does. Yeah. If he has a bad stretch, it's the stretch we're in. Yeah. The West Coast for some reason. If he has a bad stretch. Sometimes uh-huh. he goes through the West Coast and he's still dominant. Yeah. I, but it's if he, if we reach the end of the season and Paul is still in this slump, there's something going on. If he hasn't because won, you don't Because yeah. you don't get to the East Coast. East Coast Paul is very hard to beat. Even yeah. when we hit like Idlewild, Ledgestone, like that type of tournament over, and when we go to Europe this year, European Open, Paul. If yeah, yeah, Europe. If he goes to the European Open and do, and doesn't perform there, that's like his stomping grounds. That is where I'm going to be like, what? Yeah, that's where. Now, like, I, I know ca- that he was dealing with some type of like minor elbow injury, but it's been it's been about a month now at least. And I want to say maybe brought, I want to say no. I want to say that was before he almost won Jonesboro as well. I think you're right. So like, so like I, that that goes back to April. Yeah, because I, I think that was like during Champions Cup that he was talking about that. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, I mean, who knows? But yeah, that's it's what just makes it difficult. You're right. It was Champions Cup because then he shot the 16 yeah. under. Because here's with the thing: it. the fact is, Hunter, that he's been like changing his putt up and stuff like that. Yeah. That means it's not. That that's tells me news. it's more up here than. No, than I agree. Are. Yeah, I agree. I'm just saying, like, I've I whenever we say something, people are like, "Well, he's injured." I'm like, "Well, but everybody's injured." You know? Well, no, like, but it, we never really got a full story of what the injury yeah. is. So if he is injured and it's going on for this long, he should he shouldn't be playing. Yeah, if you're injured in disc golf, then either like take a break or show me the surgery, show me the receipts, <laughs> or else you because everybody's got a lingering arm injury. But like, yeah, and I bet you probably do have a lingering arm injury because you play disc golf professionally, and you throw every day. Like, yeah, you're probably you probably do hurt yourself from time to time. What, what's difficult to me is that I feel like Paul never whenever he gets into like a one of his little slumps, at least, he never climbs his way back up. It's one tournament he that, just win. that he just wins, and then yeah. he's back. Yeah, and so that's why it's so, it's so hard, hard to, to go through these because I like every single time we have to do predictions. You're like, I'm well, like surely this could be the one. This, that he yeah, wins. it's been too long. This has got to be the one that Paul well, comes and, back. And here's the thing, because because I want him so bad during for, this, for preserve during this slump, we've seen good rounds, but we we've haven't seen great rounds. We've seen one of the best rounds of all time. I don't believe we've seen him. Um, I think it's been a while since we've seen him like, okay, we're going into the last round and he's within like a couple strokes. No, it's been a lot of like, he's he's back 
Other than Jonesboro, it's been a lot of yeah. he's far back and then he does exactly. something crazy. Because that's what I'm saying. Like, get him into winning time. Like, J- Champions Cup, he shot a 16 under at WR Jackson. Yeah. Which we just played there for a bogey All road battle. All he needed was mm-hmm. to do something acceptable the day but before. But he finished ninth. Yeah. Like, a 16 under yeah. got him to ninth. Yeah, the yeah. round before was like atrocious. He shot over par. Yeah. He shot one over. Um, it is that's crazy. If you, you get him in winning time in the final round, I think he'll he'll still be. Yeah, the, if he the guy if he can beat. smell blood in the water, I think he'll be back. Yeah, mm-hmm. he just has got to get where he can smell some you blood. Better get it around before these majors come around, because like it's just not the same when you don't have the. No, t- here's what will make it an official shocking slump: is if he's not one or two at Worlds. Yeah, because if he, has, he finishes has, outside yeah, the top two true. at Worlds, that's, that's been. True. That is, we're in what year eleven? I really happy being one or two. Mm-hmm. Is that I, what we're in? Yeah, I really want him to have a redemption arc at Worlds this year because what happened to him last year was just so grueling. Like what a what an awful way. Well, to the have crazy to lose. thing too to still think is like he's still going to be one of the favorites at European Open. He's always going to be one of the favorites at Worlds. He's yeah. always going to be one of the favorites at USDGC. Like he gets if still he wins win. two of those three majors and picks up like one or two more Pro Tours, he might have the best season. If he wins, mm. well, yeah. I mean, I mean if, if he he's wins, able to win two majors, if he wins two like majors, two to three pro tours, it's going to be hard to argue someone had a better season. Yeah, than I would him. say two majors and two pro tours. But I mean, that's obviously it's asking a lot. Yeah. But at the same time, like European Open, no matter what goes on between now and then, I'm probably picking Paul to win. Yeah, Worlds, I mean, no matter what goes on between now and then, I'm definitely putting him in my top three. Mm. USDGC, that's such a flip of a yeah, coin. USDGC, probably still I mean, putting him in my top three though. Uh, mm-hmm. Going back to back at USDGC though, top three. Yeah, no, top USDGC three. USDGC is very tough. Yeah, it, it's impossible. But I was saying, like, USDGC isn't one of those where, like, if you go back-to-back at USDGC, like, that's crazy. I mean, it was similar to last year. His USDGC, his his playoff at Worlds, and then USDGC win, like, changed the scope of his season to a certain extent. Like, it can happen yeah. to anyone, yeah. you know? Um, all right, let's get into some predictions. So, the points, uh, we didn't update the points last time, uh, last two weeks ago now, because I wasn't here. Um, so, quick point update going into this week. Trevor is in last at 38 points coming in. Connor is in at second at 47 points coming in. And I currently hold the lead at 73 points Gosh. coming into this week. Uh, so let's get into some predictions. Hunter's, Hunter's taking off. There's no, I don't Trevor, think there's any catching with you. Hunter. Okay. MPO. MPO. I'm going to go ahead. And I'm going to take my third place. I'm going to give it to the return of Ricky. Um, it's so hard to know, but... I don't ever like betting against Rick. And I know he's going to mm-hmm. be just so excited to get out there. And here's one thing everybody's forgetting is, yeah, his knee could be whatever, but his arm's probably going to be pretty fresh. He's mm-hmm. probably, his arm's going to be fresh. He's going to be mm-hmm. ripping sidearms all over the place. Um, I, I, I Hard to bet against Ricky. Second, I'm going to take Simon. Tough not to take him to win. He he almost won two years ago, if you remember. He kind of came down to the last hole. Um but he, I mean, he's red hot right now. This course suits his game. To win, I'm going to take Gannon Burr. Oh. He's, he's performed here in the past. Such a good thrower of the disc. Lethal, very spinny putt. If there's any wind, that putt is not going to have a problem with it. Um, I can I can just picture him just making, just canning 45 footers all over this course. I I mean, it's he's another guy right now where it's hard to get bet against him. Yeah. He's, he's just been so solid. So yeah, those are solid picks. Connor. MPO. So I I actually had the same top three different order though. Oh, okay. Um, very very difficult. So I picked Ricky to win. Okay. I think he's gonna be wow. back with a vengeance. This just feels very Rick. Um, and then I wanted so badly to put Paul in second, but I'm not, I think I'm gonna go Gannon. I was switching between the two. Um, and I'm gonna let my emotions not get the best of me. I'm gonna say Gannon, and then I've got Simon in third. 
All right. Because, I, again, I feel like that's just a good spot for him. All right. I, I went a little off the radar here. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I've got Simon Lazat coming in third. Okay. It's pretty typical. I think not putting Simon... I had to put Simon in my top three because there's a solid chance he wins. Yes. Similar mm-hmm. thing for second place, Ricky Wysocki. Okay. I had to put him in my top three because I think there's a solid chance he wins. First place, this player performed well here last year, and then he made an Instagram post that just exudes confidence. Paul so, Macbeth. I no. know exactly who <laughs> Said, took. I'm throwing the disc and putting better you're, than ever you're before. You're crazy I'm excited person. for these up, upcoming pro tour events. Anthony Barella There's no chance is taking down this tournament. There's no chance. He look at last year he performed very well out here. I, I hey, him up this there. might hey, this might He's, be our chance, Trevor. Listen. Do we put do we make some kind of bet here no, where we I'm where not taking lose, any bets. He won't take I, it. I don't trust gonna, it that much. Sit but on his lead. Anthony Barella, I think this is his I, first listen, pro tour win. I love A B. Mm-hmm. Like I think it'd be I'd be so happy for him if he won, but I don't think he I don't think he's a winner. Here's what we'll do. I'm willing to put food on it. I, I'm gonna be gone next week. So you guys can Connor. All right. If AB loses, I buy you Wendy's. If AB wins, you buy me Chick Fil A. I mean, you got to take that. All right. Yeah. I mean, you got to take. So you, that. you'll owe me Chick Fil A if AB wins. If AB loses, I'll buy you. I'll buy you Wendy's. Do you just want to make it Chick Fil A? Chick Fil A? No, because that's that's one that's one to one ratio. I understand. I feel like I'm risking. No, you're right. You're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah. So I feel I, like uh, I should owe you less. I than understand. You owe me. Yeah. I just don't think AB is is got the. The chops. We'll I don't feel like he's a. I don't. <laughs> I was about to say that sounds so mean, but I was just he's gonna say I don't feel like he's a winner. He's not. Not yet, though. It only takes one. It only takes one. It True. only takes Maybe one. Maybe this is the one. He's so it's gonna happen. He has the. It's he has the talent, but like we'll see. Let me it's gonna last happen. year. Let me just see what he finished last year. I looked he it up. Wasn't like crazy high up. Uh, last year at the I just can't wait. Like, I just can't wait for us to talk seven. about this on Monday. How many strokes off the lead was he though? Only seven. Seven strokes back. Eight, eight strokes back. Eight strokes back. Okay. I can't wait. Eight to strokes have back. To course is harder. There's two strokes harder, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he's also he's also playing better than he's ever played before. So that's another he said few it. strokes. He said it, man. If I if, right I, if I thought that way about but Instagram posts, I'd have Paul winning every week. <laughs> yeah, but I, just haven't, I haven't seen that for maybe. You're you're right. I saw that post too, man. I just, didn't, post, I I just like, didn't think to myself. Oh, I this saw guy's it. Winning. I saw that post. Marked it in my head. And then I saw it on the PGA where he was up there last year. I was like, Anthony Burrell is taking this down. All right. Hey, I would be ecstatic about that. I would be. All right. On FPO, I'll just go for mine first. I've got Evelina Solonen in third. Mm-hmm. Similar, just hedging my bet play because if she puts well, I think she could win. But I don't want to put her as winning because yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't but I want her in my top happen. three. Uh, Valerie Mandahano, I'm putting in second. Hot off of two wins. Portland Open and Beaver State Fling. Can she go three in a row? Maybe. But one of those two, I believe Paige wasn't there. So I don't know. And then I have Paige Pierce winning. Okay. Pretty simple. Uh, Connor. I've got third place. I've got Own Scoggins. I don't think she has a distance, man. Mm. Interesting notification. Yeah, I saw that. They posted it yesterday. Okay. I haven't watched it yet. I just went for it. I just, you know what? I feel like third place is almost crapshoot. So I just went for it. Um, That's fair. And then <laughs> I've got, I want to, sw- I keep on wanting to trade between first and second of these two, but I'm just going to keep what's written on here. And I've got, no, I want to switch it up from Hunter. So I'm going to say page second, Val's winning. Man. Val so you're not dead. putting, you're not putting uh, Evelina or Katrina Allen in this. No. All right. Because Katrina Allen has 
let me down. It's a I, I, course, pick her, I pick her like I feel like I pick her pick every, but I pick her every week, yeah, and own, it always hurts my feelings. Owns it. I, it's tough though because like we don't know where. Like with FPOTs, you never know how different the course could play. But I've got Cat in third. Um, Cat Allen. Cat Allen. I've got Val in second against my better judgment because I don't, I don't think this course is going to be it for her. I don't think she throws far enough. But I'm going to do it anyways because hot streak. And then I've got Paige winning. Okay. I feel it seems, like, it I seems feel like very much like a Paige win to me. It does it seem like a Paige win. Like I just, just wanted to switch it, it up just from feel you guys. It, in the air. it does feel like a Paige win. But Val, I feel like Glenn Devere was a th- required some distance. And she it won did. there. It did. She, I, mean, I think she's getting very good with her angle control. And that will help at a course like this. Because there are a lot of holes at the preserve where landing area is crucial. Not just avoiding the water on certain ones. But, but getting yourself in the correct position. Um, and she's gotten very good at controlling her angles and using flippier discs to gain that distance. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's, I mean, I don't know. There's nobody in the FPO that throws a hyzer flip like her. It's, it's, she's gotten very good at it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll see. All right. Uh, Trevor, what's your dark horse pick? Gavin Babcock. He's been pretty streaky. He actually would have won me the dark horse at Portland. He came tied for 17th. So he, he's been very streaky, but he's still, he's got the talent to finish well. Easy pick for me. I went Casey White. He's flipping in and out of top 50s. So if he's at the top 50s of the. You said it right. Of the rankings. Yeah, I thought you were talking about like at events. No, like he's he's in and oh. out of the top fifty. Okay, I thought I said something really no. dumb for a second. I thought you meant like at uh. events. I'm like, well, that's not that good. But <laughs> no, he's been yeah. And so whenever he's out of out of the top fifty, then I want to. <laughs> that's such an aggressive yaw. <laughs> Sorry, I was tired. <laughs> tired of your crap, so Casey White. Dude. Casey White. All right, I'm going. Brody took it down for me last week or last yeah. time we did this. I'm going I mean, right realistically, back to him. Brody is probably Brody the best Smith. pick week to week because his world ranking is criminal. Yeah, back yeah. to him. Take it down, Broderick. Come on, Bro- Come I on Brody. See, I could see Brody finishing very well. This yeah, point. I think he could do well here. We'll see. I just we'll can't see. wait for Worlds to be an Emporia. There's no doubt about third. it. I am ready to be heard again. All right, well, that wraps up the preview show. Hopefully you enjoyed. The live coverage will be starting tomorrow on the Disc Golf Network if you're subscribed over there. Obviously, we'll have Joe Mez, Gatekeeper, GK Pro, all of them will be tearing down, taking down the uh, post-produced coverage. I'll be coming out the next day, and then live will be for free on YouTube on Sunday. You're not going to miss. It's a very exciting course, very fun to watch, uh, very easy to follow along, and typically it has a pretty good gallery there as well. So should be a good time, and yeah, we'll break it all down for you on Monday without Trevor. Um, so I don't know why I said that, because now half of you probably aren't going to click, but please do. Maybe we'll fill, we'll throw Silas in here. It'll get Psych. wild. I can, well, you can, I can film like a, a recap clip, or you can like get me like to do like a a quick reclap. We'll make him do something. I'll we'll do make something. him reclap. Make me do something. <laughs> I'll be there. I'll be in the thing at some point. All right. Well, even if it's just a picture. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> let's just. We'll just. You know what? Let's get. A, let's get a picture of him and put it on Silas in real life. That's not great. Just like a print uh, out. Yeah. Cut the mouth hole. Cut two eyes, funny. and mm-hmm. Silas can just. That would sit be there. They're basically the same terrifying. person. Other than their face, they're basically the same person. Yeah. So. It's kind of true. Same, at this same point. height. Yeah. I've molded him. We'll see you next week.